0: Good morning, Orchard Church. Who's excited to be with the family of God this morning? Let me hear from you. All right. Hey, take out the, your Bibles this morning, your mobile devices, turn to 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. I know those of you who regularly attend Orchard Church that you know we put all of the verses on the screen, but if you're a regular Orchard Church, get used to bringing your Bible. We mainly do that for our guests and maybe those that don't have a Bible, but just get used to bringing your Bible so you can follow along and highlight and, and things like that as we walk through the Word of God together each and every Sunday here at Orchard Church. I'm excited because today we're kicking off a new series on the life of Elijah, everybody say Elijah, Elijah. now don't get confused with Elisha, there's Elisha and there's Elijah and Elijah was before Elisha, did I confuse you yet? We talked about Elisha about a year ago. This is Elijah. He actually came before Elisha, and he was his mentor and his discipler, and so he passed on the mantle of the baton of ministry to Elisha. So we're going to talk about Elijah, this incredible man of God. We're going to be looking at three chapters in 1 Kings over the next few weeks, 1 Kings chapter 17, 18, and 19, so I'd encourage you to read those so you can really grab all of the context. As we're preparing for our our series this morning in 1 Kings, let me ask you this. How many of you, by a show of hands, you have ever... Uh, found yourself overwhelmed with life. Kind of like it's just overwhelmed. Yeah. Some of you are like, oh yeah, that was my week. You just described what I feel this morning. Life is just kind of spinning out of control. Well, then you can identify with the story of Elijah because when he shows up on the scene, um, his world is kind of spinning out of control. He's facing uh, just epic opposition. Uh, There's this devastating drought. There's an evil king. His name is Ahab. But Through all of this, Elijah is going to become a man of God. God is going to make him into an incredible man of God. So if you want to be a man of God, if you want to be a woman of God, if you want to be a teenager of God, you're going to learn a lot from the life of Elijah. Let me give you a key thought that's going to kind of carry us throughout this this series in Elijah. It's in your notes. I hope you take some notes on the back of your newsletter. And here is our key thought we want to focus on, that God wants to do something in you so he can do something through you let's say that together. God wants to do something in you so he can do something through you. And that was pathetic. So I'm going to give you one more chance. And I know you guys were writing it down, but let's say it together nice and strong. God wants to do something in you so he can do something through you. If you believe that, say yes. And that's what we're going to see in the life of Elijah. God is going to do something in him to make him into a man of God so he can do something incredible through him. We're going to even see this take place today. Let me give you a little context, what's going on in 1 Kings chapter 17. Israel had gone through 19 evil kings in a row. I mean, they had 200 years of evil kings. They were not leading the people of Israel to worship the one true God. They weren't just ineffective leaders, they were evil leaders, and then Ahab, Ahab shows up on the scene and the Bible says he was the most wicked and evil king of all the kings of Israel and maybe there was only one person worse than King Ahab as far as an evil person and that was his wife Jezebel. How many of you all know about Jezebel in the Bible, okay? She was even more wicked, I think, than her husband. And and let me just help some of you young families out, because I know a lot of times young families are trying to be very creative and choosing uh, baby names, and you like to use names from the Bible. Stay away from Jezebel, okay? Not probably a name you want to choose. But I will tell you this. It's a great name for a cat, if you have a cat. Perfect name, if you have a cat. So... (laughs) Just had to go there. You know, he said, well, what was so evil about them? What was so wicked about them? What was so bad about King Ahab and Jezebel? Well, they were uh, leading the nation of Israel to follow all these false gods, uh, the gods of Baal and Ashtoreth. We're going to talk a little bit more about that next time. And there was all this idolatry and idol worship that was going on. And yet God said, you're to worship only me as God. I'm the only one true God. You shouldn't have any idols. And they were having their kids sacrificed to these false gods. It was a very, very evil and wicked and dark time. In the nation of Israel And finally God says enough You know enough is enough 200 years of evil kings And so God's going to do something about it And what I find interesting in this time in Israel Is God could have raised up an army against King Ahab But instead he raised up one man Because God can do a lot through one man of God One woman of God, one student of God, one businessman of God, one community leader of God, and we're going to see Elijah, one man of God, make a huge difference in the nation of Israel. Now, his name, Elijah, I love what his name means. It means, my Jehovah, or my God is Jehovah. His name means, my God is Jehovah. So even his name would have been a confrontation to the evil king, Ahab, when he shows up on the scene, because Ahab is worshiping all these false gods. He's like, my God is Jehovah. My God is the one true God. His name Elijah, the p- first part of his name, El, comes from Elohim, where we get the name God. And then you have I, which is the pronoun my or, or mine, and then Ja is Jehovah. My God is Jehovah. That's who Elijah is in this story. And so let's, let's read his story in 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. Let's pick it up and see what's going to happen as Ahab is going to be confronted by the prophet Elijah. It says, now Elijah, who was from Tishba in Gilead. You know, in the Bible, you would be known for where you are from. He was Elijah from Tishba, you know, kind of like Saul of Tarsus, we know in the New Testament. He was known as Elijah from Tishba in Gilead. He told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, unlike all the false gods you serve, Ahab, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. And he just drops this prophetic judgment on King Ahab. I mean, if this were a movie, this is where the music would be like, bum, 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 bum. I mean, this would be like a mic drop moment. He says, let me just tell you, wicked King Ahab, there's not going to be any rain until I give the word for the next four years. And he drops the mic and he, and he walks off. And, and to understand this prophetic judgment, this was an agricultural society. They lived off the land and the harvest. And if you had no rain, you had no crops, which means you had no food. It was a, there was a famine in the land. I mean, it was an economic, not just a shutdown. It was a meltdown. To, to put this in context today, if this were to happen today, there would be no gas. There would be no money at the banks. There would be no electricity. And this will really help some of you understand the context. No Wi-Fi. Bum-bum-bum-bum. <laughs> right? Now, now you're like, oh, this is serious. Now I, I understand what's going on here. No internet, no Facebook, no Wi-Fi. And God sends Elijah to give this prophetic message to this wicked king Ahab. Now, what you, when you first read this, you might think, okay, it's like he, he confronts him, he picks a fight with him, and it's almost like, okay, it's on now, and they're going to be battling it out and all this. And then the very next thing you see is Elijah goes into hiding. God sends him away. He drops the mic, he gives this prophetic judgment, and he goes into hiding for like three years because God is going to be doing something in him so that he can eventually do something through him. You think God might ever do that in our lives as well? Absolutely. You think God might allow a season to come in our life where he allows some things to happen where he's going to work in us so that he can eventually work through us? And some of you may be experiencing some of those seasons of life right now and you don't even realize it. But hopefully by the end of today, you'll be encouraged that, okay, God is doing something in me so God can do something through me. And what we're going to do with the rest of our time is we're going to look at these three seasons of preparation and shaping and molding and making of the man of God, Elijah. Because I believe God uses these three seasons, same seasons, in our lives as well. So if you're taking some notes in your notes, the first season we see Elijah go through to make him into a man of God is a season of isolated pain isolated pain, where he is all alone, cut off from everybody except God, the one that matters. And so after he does this prophetic judgment in verse one, drops the mic, verse two, it says, then the Lord said to Elijah, help me out, church, what's the next word? Go. go. God tells him, go to the east and hide by Carith Brook near where it enters the Jordan River. He says, I want you to go and hide by the Kareth Brook. Everybody say Carith. Kareeth. The word kareth means, you have this in your notes, cut off or cut down. Very interesting. He sends him to a place where Elijah is going to be cut off and cut down by God. He's going to be humbling him privately so that he can then use him publicly. He has to totally depend upon God. And he goes through this period of breaking him and humbling him to make him into the man of God he wants him to be by cutting him off and cutting him down. And some of you right now, you might be like, well, I can relate to that. That sounds like my life right now. I feel like I'm by the Kareeth brook right now. I feel alone. I feel isolated. I feel pain. I feel cut off. I feel cut down. You know, what's going on? And it may be that God is doing the same thing to you in your life that he was doing in Elijah's life, that he's doing something in you so that he can do something through you. Is that possible, church? Say yes. Absolutely. And in those moments of our life, we experience this isolated pain that happens by the Kareeth brook. We often ask questions like, where's God? I don't understand this, God. This doesn't make any sense. Where where are you right now? I don't understand what's going on, and it seems like it just keeps getting worse. It reminds me of a story, and I love this story because this story is is funny, it's sad, and gross. Three elements of a great story. It's a story about a bird that waited too long to fly south for the winter, and finally, it's decided to, you know, all of his friends have left. and He's like, boy, it's getting cold. I better fly south. So the winter started flying. and got caught in a blinding snowstorm. And the snow started. He was trying to fly and get south, get warm. And the, the snow and the ice was getting on his wings. It was building up. And he, he couldn't flap his wings anymore. And then he just crashed right into the snow. And when he crashed, he, he couldn't move his wings. And he was frozen right there. And the snow was piling up on him. And he was like, oh, God, why has this happened to me? I don't understand. This is the worst thing ever and he's like, I'm just going to freeze to death. And then about that time when he thought it couldn't get any worse, a cow comes walking by. Some of you heard this story. And the cow stops over the bird. And the cow takes a dump on top of the bird in the snow. That's the gross part of the story, in case you were wondering. And the little bird's like, oh my goodness, if it's not bad enough, I'm going to freeze to death now. I'm under a pile of manure. But then he's like, wait a minute. This is, it's smelly, but It's warm. And it's hot, and it's kind of melt. It's melting the snow off my wings, and I'm- I-, I can start to move my wings again, and I feel the blood circulating again. You know what? I think I'm going to be able to fly. I think I'm going to live. And the little bird got so excited and started praising God. Twee, tweet, 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 tweet. It was getting excited. And about when it thought it was going to get ready to fly, a cat <laughs> comes walking by. Here's the little bird tweeting really loud, digs the bird out of the manure, and eats the bird. Yeah, that's the gross and sad part of the story, in case you were wondering. There's three lessons that I think we can learn from this story. Not everybody that takes a dump on you is your enemy. (laughs) Second lesson, not everyone who digs you out is your friend. Third lesson, when you find yourself under a pile of manure in life, keep your big mouth shut. (laughs) I love that story. But you know, sometimes... And maybe some of you feel this way today, like you've had a big pile of manure dropped on you in life. This, this, this is painful. This is difficult. This stinks. And you're experiencing this isolated pain. And you feel broken, and you feel cut off, and you feel cut down. And it may be that God is bringing you by the Kareeth Brook. He's going to do something in you so he can do something through you. It's a season of preparation in your life. It's a season of preparation and, and I've shared this story before, so I won't go into great detail, but if I could just keep it real and, and tell you how this has played its way out in my life, and Shelly, my wife's life, and our family, it was about 13 years ago that we were living in Indiana, and I was pastoring my first church, and things seemed to be going great, and after five years, God just totally closed the door on our ministry there, and, and we, we stepped aside, and we, we didn't know what was next, and we felt like, man, God put us by the Kareeth Brook for about three months we, we, we felt like we'd lost a lot of friends. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know, I, I mean, I was like, God, do you even still want me in ministry? Am I supposed to be a pastor? You know, I don't understand what's going on. This doesn't make sense. And God was you know, cutting me down, and God had cut me off, and it was a time of great humbling and breaking. But what I realized was God was making me into the man of God he wanted me to be and preparing me to be because it was after those three months of that happening that God opened a door for us to move to Colorado and start a church called Orchard Church. That would have never happened had we not spent some time by Kareeth Brook. It was a time of preparing. It was a time of breaking and making us. God was doing something in us and in me so he could do something through us and through me. And maybe you can relate to this. A.W. Tozer said it this way. I love this quote. He said, it's doubtful God can bless a man greatly until he has humbled him deeply. It's doubtful that God can bless a man greatly until he has humbled him deeply. And so I want some of you to be encouraged. I want your faith to be strengthened this morning that the more you may feel like that God is breaking you right now and cutting you down right now, the more he may be making you right now. And the man of God, the woman of God, the student of God that he wants you to be, you're in a season of isolated pain where he's preparing you. He's doing something in you because he's preparing to do something through you. So we see Elijah go through this season of isolated pain. And then there's a second season we see Elijah go through that we often find ourselves in this season, and that's a season of total dependence. Total dependence on God, where where all you have is God alone. And when you get to the place in your life where you feel like all you have is God alone, you find out that God is enough, amen? And that's exactly where we find Elijah. He's by the Kareeth brook, and he's all alone, and now he's got to totally depend upon God. Because remember, there's a famine in the land, and everybody is affected by this, but God is going to provide For Elijah, the man of God, it says in verse 4, he's by the Kareth brook, and and God says, drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. For I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth brook east of the Jordan. And the ravens, everybody say ravens. The ravens. The, The story earlier, that wasn't a raven because that one got eaten, so this is different birds. The ravens brought him bread. And meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. He drank from the brook. I mean, God used the most unlikely source to provide for Elijah. Because ravens are usually known for what they take, not what they give and what they bring. And sometimes in our life, God uses the most unlikely sources to provide for our needs, doesn't he? And this is like God's catering service here. He gets these ravens to every morning and every evening to bring bread and what? What does the Bible say? Meat. Bread and meat. Everybody say meat. Meat. The Bible says they brought bread and meat. Praise Jesus, glory to God on high for meat. Now, I don't mean to offend any vegetarians or vegans or whatever you are. You know, if you want to do that thing, that's cool. I had a vegetarian recently say to me, you know, uh, Pastor Doug, if you would become a vegetarian, you would live longer. And I said, no, it just seemed like it. (laughs) But these ravens... Brought bread and meat morning and evening. And Elijah had to totally depend upon God. And God is is saying here, I will be faithful. I will provide. One of the names for God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provider. Amen? He's like, I I will take care of you. I know there's a famine in the land, but I'm going to take care of the man of God. You can count on me. I'm here. I got this. And some of you, maybe right now you feel like you're in a season where you just have to totally depend on God. Yeah, that may be the best season of your life. Maybe the, you're going through a season where what you once, where you once found security. You now can't find that security. What you once could depend on, you now can't depend on. And you just must depend upon God. And you can depend upon God. You could totally depend upon Him. God is faithful to provide our needs one of our favorite verses we love to quote is Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. We'll put it on the screen. And Paul said, And this same God who takes care of me, let's say it together, church, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that, church? He will provide all our needs. Not our greeds, but all our needs. Just like he provided for Elijah as he totally depended on God. And today you may be hurting you may be alone, you may be afraid, but God is going to deliver. And you know what I love about this story? Did you notice this? The ravens brought him bread and meat morning and evening, just enough for the day. Didn't bring him, they didn't drop off enough for the week or the month, they brought enough for the day. What, is, what does the Bible say? Give us this day our daily bread. You know, don't worry, the Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow There's enough evil tomorrow to worry about itself. Just focus on today. And listen, our God is a provider. Jehovah Jireh, the God provider, will provide for us. He is faithful and he will be faithful today. He will give us enough for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. just, Just get through today. God will give us, our God will provide enough for us today. He'll provide enough comfort for us today. He'll provide enough protection for us today. He'll provide enough provision for us today. He'll provide enough mercy, enough love, enough grace, enough forgiveness for today. Can we give him praise for that, Orchard Church? He will provide for us today. And when we find ourselves in isolated pain and total dependence, we can depend on our great God. You have it this way in your notes. Depending on God is not a weakness. It's an acknowledgement of his strength. It's acknowledging his strength. Depending on God is not a weakness. It's acknowledging his strength in our life. And Elijah finds himself by the Kareth Brook. He's broken. He's humbled. He's hurting. He's isolated. And God is saying to him, you can depend on me. You can count on me. I've got this. And he says the same thing in our lives. You know, what are the seasons that we go through to make us into man or woman or a teenager of God? It's a season of isolated pain where God does something in us so he can do something through us. It's a season of total dependence on on a God that will provide. And then it brings us to the third season. All those prepare us for the third season that we see Elijah go through. And that's a season of complete Trust. Where Elijah has to completely trust God Now this is where things go south In the story I mean it seems like things are going pretty well You know, He needs food and water and he gets that he needs, like He's got the brook there that's giving him water And the ravens are bringing him bread and bringing him meat And things are going pretty well And then all of a sudden things go south Let's pick it up in verse 7 Watch what happens It says in verse 7 But after a while Let's say it together church The brook dried up You ever had that happen in your life? God's providing, things are looking up, things are getting better, and then all of a sudden the brook dries up. For there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. And you can only imagine, Elijah's like, okay, God, where are you now? This doesn't seem fair, this doesn't seem right. You've been taking care of me, and now what's going on? I don't understand this. And he's got to completely trust God. Verse 8 says, then the Lord said to Elijah, again, say it, church, the second time, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. Everybody say Zarephath. It's interesting, the name Zarephath means a place of refining. God's not finished breaking and making and refining the the man of God, Elijah, into a man of God. And Elijah's probably wondering why. You know, why is the brook dried up? And don't miss this, church. God may cause the brook to dry up in our life so God can get us where he really wants us to be. He may cause something to be taken away from us to get us where He really wants us to be, to a place where we completely and wholly trust in Him. You have it this way in your notes. Even when we don't understand what God is doing, we can trust that God is moving, amen? Even when we don't understand what God is doing, we can trust, just like Elijah, that God is moving, and maybe some of you can identify, you can relate to this story and you say, you know, I feel like one of the brooks is drying up in my life. Something that I used to be able to count on and depend on. You know, my job, that used to be secure. Now it's not so secure. My, my 401k is now more like a 201k. You know, the friends that used to always be there for me that I thought were my friends aren't really my friends. And it brings you to a place where God causes the brook to dry up to a place where you have to completely and wholly trust in God. And I can tell you that's one of the best places to be. You know, I often say this, and it, 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 it's good preaching, but we say things like where God guides, He provides. And I believe that. And where there's vision, there's provision. But I also believe that sometimes God removes things. And He takes things away to get us where He wants us to be. You know, just to keep it real and, and relevant to our church, um, several years ago, when we started you know, adding services, we went from one service to two services to accommodate all the people. Then we went from two services to three services to accommodate all the people. And then we saw that all three services, look around, are, are filled. And we said, you know, we can't, we can't meet here forever and we can't just keep adding services. And we felt like God was saying, you know, we're going to need a permanent place to establish this church and this community for generations to come. You know, it's easy to start a church. It's another thing to establish one. And we were starting to feel that season where God was wanting to establish us, And so we said, well, we're going to need a permanent place. So we started looking around our community. And we found uh, an empty warehouse. And it was about 35,000 square feet. And we started working with the, the owner. And we thought we were getting very close to maybe making a deal and, and buying it and, and making it our home and, and moving into there. And then all of a sudden, God just slammed the door shut. And the owner said, I don't want to sell to a church. We're like, okay. And we were like, well, God, we don't understand this. This doesn't make sense. It looked like this was good, and we got all excited. And then God said, trust me. Just trust me. And we said, well, we've gotten this far by trusting you, God. We're going to continue by trusting you. And the next month, the owner of 38 acres of land right next door to Prairie View High School, we've been meeting for 10 years, contacted us. He once wanted $4 million for that land. We bought the entire thing for $1.8 million, and we were able to pay cash. (laughs) Amen? And we're, and we're building right now. I mean, the dirt that's moving, that's our dirt. And it's all been paid for by cash to this point. And God has provided, but we had to completely trust him. He had something bigger. He had something better than what we had in mind. But sometimes when we, we say, you know, this doesn't make sense, I don't understand, this doesn't seem fair, God says to us, trust me. Trust me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll direct your path, Amen. You, you know, we, sometimes you know, when God is making us And He's breaking us And He's shaping and molding us He brings things into our life He takes things out of our life That we just don't understand And we say, that, 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 I, don't, I don't get that It kind of reminds me of a movie I grew up with Pretty famous movie, Karate Kid How many of y'all remember Karate Kid? The movie Karate Kid Now I'm not talking about the new one, you know With uh, J- uh, Jalen Smith I'm talking about the one with Ralph Macchio Okay, daniel son. remember that one? That, the real Karate Kid movie. You know, the good one. And, our, and one of our favorite scenes in that movie is where Daniel's son goes to Mr. Miyagi, you know, his, his sensei, his master, and he says, I want to learn karate. He says, You really want to learn karate? Yes, I want to learn karate. I want to learn karate. He's like, Okay, come to my house tomorrow and I'm going to teach you karate. He gets to the house, he's ready for his karate lesson. And what does he do? He puts a paintbrush in his hand and he says, Paint the fence. He's like, but I want to learn karate. No, paint the fence. I'm your master. I'm your sensei. Trust me. Paint the fence. So he's, you know, doing this. No, 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 no. Not like that. Like this. Ooh. 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 Remember it? Remember the movie? And he's like, I, and he was like, this is stupid. And he was complaining. He didn't get it. And then he does that for a while. He's painting the fence. And then he says, now, wax my car. And he's like, wax your car. He's like, wax my car. So he gets his, you know, no, 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 no. Like, like, help me out, church. Wax on. Wax off. Wax on. Wax off. But I want to learn karate. Trust me. Wax on. Wax off. Paint the fence. Up. Down. Wax on, wax. And he's like, this is stupid. This is great. Finally, Daniel's son gets tired of it. He's ready to quit. He's throwing down the paintbrush. You know, Mr. Miyagi, the master, says, I thought you wanted to learn karate. He said, I did. This is stupid. You got me painting the fence. You got me wax on, wax off the card. None of this makes sense. And then Mr. Miyagi starts you know, throwing punches and throwing kicks. And what does Daniel son do? I appreciate that. I worked hard on that. And it all made sense. He just had to trust Him. And do you think God ever does that in our life? Paint the fence. Wax on, wax off. I don't get it. And God just says, I'm your master. I'm in control. I'm your sensei. Trust me. Elijah, it didn't make sense. Go by the Kareth brook. What? You know, the brook dries up. Wax on, wax off. Now go to Zarephath. I'm about to do something miraculous. Oh. (laughs) It's coming. If You know the story. You see, God allowed the brook to dry up so he could do something even more miraculous in Elijah's life. But he had to completely trust him. So let's find out what God was preparing him for. Let's see the rest of the story as Elijah completely trusted his God and his master. He had gone through a season of isolated pain and total dependence, and now he had to completely trust God one more time because watch what happens. After he told him to go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon, a place that means refining, he's continuing to refine him. He says, I have instructed a widow there in Zareph to feed you. I'm going to continue to take care of you, Elijah. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? Because he's dying of thirst. Because there's been no rain. He's been traveling about 100 miles. And she was going to get it. He called to her and he said, bring me a bite of bread too. I need some water and I need a snack. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. She was experiencing the famine as well. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this, say it, church, last meal, and then my son and I will die. This is it. We have nothing left. But Elijah said to her, and I really would say God said to her through Elijah the prophet, don't be afraid. And God says that to some of you today. You think, I don't have anything left. I don't know how I'm going to make it tomorrow. Don't be afraid. Elijah says, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left. Prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So go and bake me some biscuits. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for what, church? Many days. God provided once again. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised to Elijah. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. So again, God is providing, everything looks great, and now things go south again. What is going on, God? Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and he finally died. Now you can only imagine what they're thinking now what the heck is going on? God, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. Then she said to Elijah, O man of God, what have you done to me? Now she's blaming Elijah. Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? But Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs of the room where he was staying, and he laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, say the next word, church. Why? I appreciate that God recorded this in his word. Because there's times in our life where we ask why, and it's okay. It's okay to ask God why. Our God is big enough to answer our why questions, amen? Now sometimes God doesn't answer that question this side of heaven. I I say this often at funerals and memorial services, it's not wrong to ask God why, it's just wrong to question God. And in his humanness, Elijah says, why? Why, God? I don't, I don't understand. Why'd you bring me this far? And this woman took care of me and her son's died. Why have you brought tragedy to this widow who's opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And then he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord. He's about to find out why. Oh, Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, just like he hears our prayers. And the life of the child returned and he revived. He came back to life. This is the first Recorded resurrection that we have in the Bible Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room And gave him to his mother Look, he said, your son is alive You think that might have got her attention? You think maybe now she understood why? You think now Elijah understood why? And don't miss this Everything I've said up until now That was introduction to the message Watch verse 24 Then the woman told Elijah Now I know for sure that Let's say it church You are a man of God Now I know for sure that you're a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. We opened this story in 1 Kings chapter 17 and Elijah shows up on the scene and he's known as Elijah from Tishbe of Gilead. But we close chapter 17 and he's not known as Elijah from Tishbe, he's known as Elijah the man of God because he completely trusted God. He allowed God to work in him so God could work through him. This didn't happen by accident. It didn't happen by coincidence. And it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in a day. It didn't happen in a week. It didn't happen in a month. I mean, a couple of years have gone by here. He had to go by the Kereith Brook to be cut off, to be cut down, to be in isolated pain. It was a time of preparation where God was humbling him and breaking him to make him. He had to go through a season of total dependence on God where he would provide through the ravens. He would trust in God alone. God would do something in him so God could do something now through him. And then he completely trusted God as he goes to Zarephath. When the brook dries up, he moves him. And God trusts Elijah and Elijah trusts God. And God uses some very difficult opposition in his life to make him into a man of God. And I believe God wants to do some of those things in our life to make us into a man of God, to make us into a woman of God, to make us into a, a student, a child of God. Uh, when we visit this story next time, it's one of my favorite stories in all the Bible where Elijah, after three years, is going to show back up to King Ahab and he's going to take on the 400 prophets of Baal. and he's going to I mean, it's going to be a showdown of all showdowns. You don't want to miss it. And the only way he was able to do that was because for three years God was preparing him and God was making him. And I believe today, some of you would say, I'm by the Carith Brook right now. I'm experiencing pain and I'm alone and I gotta depend on God and I gotta trust God. And I believe if you allow God to work in and through your life, I believe this with all of my my heart, church, that if you allow God to take you through these seasons that he took Elijah through, you might find some people in your life your family members, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, maybe even other Christians that look at what you're going through in your life and they would say to you, now I know for sure you are a man of God. Now I know for sure you are a woman of God. Now I know for sure you don't just talk the talk, you walk the walk, you're a teenager of God. Because it's easy to live for God when everything is, is good, right? and everything's great, and God's blessing. But it's in those difficult, challenging, opposition times of life where God makes us and He breaks us into what He really wants us to be, into a man of God, a woman of God, a child of God. Father, we pray that we would apply this story to our lives. I pray for those that may be today feeling like they're in isolated pain and they need to totally depend and trust in you, that they would do that today, that they, we would be doers of your word, not just hearers only, that you would make us in the man, the woman, the teenager of God that you would desire for us to be. Let's continue with heads bowed and an attitude of prayer right now. How many of you would say, you know, if this story really spoke to me today because I, I feel like right now I'm by the Carith Brook. And I'm realizing God may be doing something in me so God can do something through me. And I want to follow the example of Elijah, that I'm going to depend on God and I'm going to trust God as he's preparing me, that I believe he's doing something in me so he can do something through me. I really want to be a man or woman or student of God. Can I pray for you? Anyone like that today? Would you slip up your hand all across this auditorium? Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Hands everywhere. Amen. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray for those today who are going through trials and difficulties that feel cut off and cut down and isolated and alone, that they would remember that you are Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides for us, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us, that you work all things together for good to those who love you, who are the called according to your purpose, and that we would realize, Lord, that whatever you bring us to, you will bring us through, and that you may be doing something In us right now So you can eventually do something through us And that we would allow you to do that For your honor and glory And for our good May this message bring hope And strength To many today As we continue in an attitude of prayer Maybe you're here today And you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Your Lord and Savior Can I just lovingly tell you You can never be a man of God Or a woman of God Until you first become a child of God You say well I thought we were all God's children Well that may be politically correct, but that's not biblically correct. The Bible says the only way we become a child of God is when we accept God's Son, Jesus, into our life as Lord and Savior. And I believe that some of you today, maybe God's been bringing you by the Kareth Brook to get your attention. God's been lovingly doing that to get you to turn to Him, to depend on Him, to find fulfillment and satisfaction in Him. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says, whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. I, I want you to be able to say like Elijah, my God is Jehovah. He's not just a God or the God. He's my God. Because I've put my faith and trust in him. If that's you today, you know who you are. Would you pray this prayer with me? And just pray it from your heart to God right now. I'll help you with the words. Now listen, it's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if you believe it, you could say yes to Jesus today. Goes like this Jesus I do believe in you And I want you And need you in my life I want to be A child of God Thank you for sending your son To die for my sins Forgive me of my sins Come into my life I want a relationship with you I want you to be my God Thank you Jesus For loving me for giving me. Thank you. So we just continue an attitude of prayer. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I never want to do that. But if you just prayed that prayer, that's the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And I would love the privilege and honor just to pray for you right now, that you would grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward. So right now, with no one looking around but myself, would you just... In the moment, raise your hand and say, yes, Pastor Doug, I did pray that. Pray for me that I would grow in my walk with Jesus. I prayed that prayer and I meant it. Would you slip up your hands right now all across this auditorium? Lift them up nice and high. I don't want to miss anybody. Lift them up. God bless you. Two over here. God bless you, sir. And a man right here. God bless you right here. God bless you, sir. Back here. One, two, three, four, five. God bless you right back there. God bless you, sir. Over here. God bless you. Over here. A Young person over here. Amen. Up here. God bless you over here. Amen. Amen. There may have been some hands I missed, but God sees your heart, and that's what matters. Let me just pray for you. Father, I pray for all those who put their faith and trust in you today. I pray that they would grow in their walk and relationship with you, and that you would mold them and make them into the man of God, the woman of God, the the child of God that you would have them to be. We thank you that you are a God that we can trust, we can depend on, that you provide for us. And Lord, what... What we know our enemy, Satan, wants to use for evil in our life to to draw us away from you, you want to use for good to draw us to you. And may we follow the example of Elijah, an incredible man of God. Thank you for those who put their faith and trust in you. We welcome them as brothers and sisters into the family of God today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate again decisions for Christ this morning? Amen. Amen. Listen, if you raised your hand and said, I prayed that prayer to invite Jesus into my life, please, please let us know about that. On your connection card, just check that box that says, I accepted Christ today, um, and give us your name. And your contact information Um, We've got a book that we'd like to give to you free It's called Seven Steps to Joy And it'll help you in your new walk and journey with Christ And you can get this book in one of two ways You can drop that card in the offering bucket And we'll send it to you if you give us your mailing address Or you can bring that card by our Got Questions table in the lobby And they'll give you the book today And you can leave here with that book Because we are so excited and thrilled uh, for your decision for Christ today Um, Also, if you're a first time guest Thanks for being our guest today at Orchard Church Hopefully you filled out that guest connection card You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by when we receive our gifts in just a moment we are not interested in your money today first-time guests but we're definitely interested in getting to know you as our guest we'll send you a thank-you note and a free gift in the mail uh, just thanking you for being our guest if you're new to Orchard Church and I haven't had the privilege to meet you personally I would love to do so I'll be hanging out in the courtyard by the white tent so come by and introduce yourself I hope many of you will plan to be back tonight six o'clock we are having a night of worship don't we have an incredible worship team here at Orchard Church we're so blessed amen so they're going to lead us in a night of worship. We're also going to have our state of the church address tonight, telling you all the things that God did last year and what we're planning that God is going to do this year. And we have so, so much uh, to thank God for and praise God for tonight. So I hope many of you can make it uh, tonight for, for that service. Uh, right now, we are going to worship the Lord through our tithes and our offerings um, because we have a value here at Orchard Church that we act our wage. How do we act our wage? By giving first, saving second, and then living on the rest. So we're going to worship the Lord in that way. We're also going to check out what else is going on around here at Orchard Church, so don't go anywhere. Uh, But I love you and hope you guys have a wonderful day.